Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host Serene. In this podcast you will find movie reviews and TV show reviews, the latest news about the film industry, monthly watch list, award show predictions and recaps, recaps on events like Netflix's To Doom. You will receive two episodes a week, Thursdays and Sundays. You can follow me on Instagram at movie reviews with Serene and Movie Reviews with Serene podcast. Come join the journey. Hello, hello and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. You guys, the BAFTA Awards and the um, People's Choice Awards were both held this past uh, weekend. So I'm going to talk about that. Then I also did another guest interview with this time with p- film producer and industry veteran um Scott Dupont. And we'll talk we talked about Oscars, we talked about financing and producing movies. We talked about how um Quentin Tarantino got his name, Quentin. And we also discussed about why, like, how long or why long movies um, are an issue for in today, well, like for the audience, but also uh, to the in film industry, and uh, along with other very interesting stuff. So I will put that interview on the or like towards the end of this podcast episode and also the first three episodes of the Star Wars and the final uh, season season three of Star Wars the Bad Batch have been released so I'm going to talk about them in this episode but without spoilers obviously Then I didn't do a new section in the last episode, so I'm going to do that because I, uh, we have to talk about few movies and news which have been released. And yeah, that's it actually. That's the agenda for today's episode. Also, the next guest episode, um, you. The video version, on the video version, you will be finally be able to see me, because I finally purchased a webcam. So when I like do Zoom calls, like Zoom meetings with my guests to record an episode. In the video version of the episode, guest episode, you don't see me sadly, but, uh, from. I don't know when my next episode will be, because the, like, you know, I told you that I had this, like, Google Sheet, where the potential guest can, like, sub submit or apply to be a guest on the show. So, many of the guests on the show, besides Scott and Tarell, 
they haven't reached like haven't written back to me uh, because I always do email and also besides um heroic so I am still like waiting and a response for from them from those guests so I don't know when the next guest will be but I will be a guest on the MCU's bleeding podcast um on March 13 for you guys but 14 for me because it will be um 10 p.m. EST and that's 4 a.m. European time so I'll be up for a long I think I'll be up until 6 a.m. because the usually usually they talk for an hour or two hours anyways so i'll be a guest on there and, and we'll be talking about disney pluses for me disney plus but for you guys hulu's um show which will be released on February 27th but i will will i will be guest on when they'll talk about or like do a review on the um on the third episode of the season of shogun that's a Disney Plus slash Hulu live action, um, I think Japanese manga adaptation series. So yeah, I'm very excited because I'll be on camera and it will be like a branch out situation for me. And I'm very excited. And I already like scheduled, like I already talked to the host, which is Jeff. And so we, you know, we talked about like, um, we talked about how the show works and so on and so forth. And like disclaimer, it will be a very adult one. Not like, you know, my show is also very for adults mostly, but that one will be like very for adults because they crack like jokes here and there, which sometimes like cross some boundaries so if if they if it's like if something is too much for me then i'll obviously raise my voice so i'm very excited for that um for much in general so yeah let's talk about star wars is the bad bitch final season episode one through three. Also, like the episode, um, like the not the episode, the interview with Scott was like re- relatively short than my usual ones. That's because he had a few meetings, um, after my podcast recording session. So yeah, but that gives us plenty time. Plenty of time to talk about the news in the film industry. Film industry. Correction: It's the MCU's Bleeding Edge podcast. This is the final season of Star Wars: The Bad Batch, sadly, but I have to say, I really like it. Uh, three episodes have been released, and I'm going to talk about all of them without spoilers. Because then I would have spoiled you. So, anyway, so the in the first episode, 
we basically like saw it was basically everything that we saw in the teaser and in the trailer for this season so we saw like um omega being captured in this facility by hammock that's the name right hammock Oh yeah, so she is there uh, on Tentis. And so like, it's basically only Omega the whole first uh, season uh, episode. Meaning like, we we see her morning routine, her afternoon routine, her evening routine. And then she um, has to... We see some like flashbacks, but mostly really like Omega in being in this facility where she gets tested by Nala, the scientist. And so she like wants, she basically like her thing, which we learn, it would be a spoiler. Forget what I said. So, like, she, like, tests Omega's blood, but the long-headed, like... What's her name? The long-headed, um... I think think it's Emery. She... Um, like the long headed like um species she like whenever Nala is testing Omega's blood because there was something that's why I can't say anything but um she does that and whenever she does Emery comes and dest- destroys the blood sample and So, like, we mostly really spent time in the facility with Omega and um, the scientists and Hammock and then... Yeah, I don't know, like, that was... Actually, like, she, like, looks out and then she reminisces and she like takes out the box which she got captured like she had this belonging slash box thing um where she had like stuff from the crew with her and like tech and so on and so forth and it was good obviously the animation was really good but it was like kind of like sad depressed sadder um atmosphere the whole time so yeah that was like episode one and also we didn't have i was expecting for some lightsaber showdowns that didn't happen
but it did actually <clears throat> partially happen in episode two, where we are still like. We are like still in this facility, but this time, like, um, I said from excuse me, the thing why Omega had to like give us blood sample, warning, blood sample, was actually like explained in the second episode. I missed them up because I watched them back to back. Anyways, so yeah, that was the case, and um. And also, like, um, then like, the Emery told Omega how she could and why she should, um, escape from this facility. So like, we go on to that like journey with her, and also like during that, the batches like they gang try to locate her where she is, and. And so they like we go with uh, Omega on to this journey of like escaping whilst we cut to the badges they are trying to locate her and then they go on to this journey with like on this journey finding Omega and um So they like go into this like wood slash Amazon Amazonas um greenery looking thing where they like me where they encounter these like snake looking creatures which were actually caused by the facilities like um experiments. So then we have this like. Mm, lightsaber showdown because they like blast them and also add to that I have select trigger warning for flashing images um, and so like then they finally find Omega but then Dr. Hammock is trying to is trying to like Um, like he's trying to stop Omega um try uh escaping like from escaping. So So we found out that Tech has taught her every single map that there is in the galaxy. So because of that she easily escapes and Oh, also, Crosshair is also with her in this facility. So, when like, when like, um, Omega told him that Tech had taught her the maps, and he said, <clears throat> he said, 
Of course he did. And so they were like running. And so <clears throat> basically <coughs> this whole like um episode was more, most likely like Omega between Omega and the Belches. And then the episode ends with a cliffhanger. So in the third episode, we see Omega like trying to escape with a ship. And then we also see, and also call Sherazel, but like the batches also like finally make to the ship, uh, to the facility, and then find Omega, and then they are uh, trying to, um, like save Omega. But then they kind of like find these in in the, also like in the Amazonas uh, greenery place. They meet these two boys. That's really important later. But like they meet these two boys and they they like sh- they were soldiers, but were like promised that uh, to become you know a part of the empire by the by Doctor Hamick, which didn't. Which didn't work out, so yeah, so then they the boys like are like trying to steal the ship from the batches, but they didn't. They uh, end up not doing because, because like, Bad Batch he, um, saves the boys because the boys are being attacked because they try to, uh, help Omega. And. And then the question of loyalty comes up. So obviously they choose the badge, just the boys choose the badge, bad badge, like the gang. And so Omega, and also yeah, so the boys, like, the badges are like attacked by the uh, Empire, the light, the light, no, stormtroopers. And um, so the boys, like, while the while there's a late lightsaber showdown, the boys are are able to get the ship working, and then they are like saving the badges. While that's happening, while it's happening, we see Palpatine in the facility, and then asking for Omega, and then we have this like very like Ahsoka from like Ahsoka. The episode where us were thrown is thrown and then they're like thrown, thrown, thrown. We basically have the same thing but with Palpatine. And so yeah, then like he is shown and then he's like I need their girl alive, so don't kill her. And then the question of loyalty is brought up again and the episode ends with a cliffhanger, so I'm very excited for the fourth episode. Um, that's how much I can say without spoiling. Overall, my I think my favorite episode has to be episode two because of like the intensity of the like oh like will she get caught by the light. By the stormtroopers or not, or like by Doctor Hemick, or by Nala. Also, like this season will have fifteen episodes.
So, and the last episode will be released on May 1st. I just love February because, like, it's it has always been, like, oh, like, Wednesdays are always, like, the past three years have always been, um, but the bad batch days for me. So, I'm happy that we are back in this schedule. But I'm also, like, very, um, very sad that it's ending, but... I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we'll have some spin-offs. I hope so. Like a spin-off of Omega or Tech. Be fun. Would be fun. I also have to say that the first episode obviously was very like where we left off because we had the um, recap of the season finale of last season. And so... I really enjoyed that, and also, like, the flashbacks and the flash... Basically, mostly, it was mostly flash-forwards. Yeah, flashbacks. And the duration of the three episodes. I personally, like, wanted more, but... Because it gives, like, it puts you into this, like, state of mind where you are, like, on this journey with the gang, the Batches, and Omega... And then, and then, like, you just are so invested in this that you cannot, I could, I I forgot how to breathe because I was so invested and so, like, on the edge of my seat. Especially when, like, Omega was, like, in the facility and trying to find all the necessary, like, tools to escape from the facility. And then, like, having the stormtroopers on, like, behind, like, trying to locate her and then Dr. Hemmick and then Nala and then Palpatine and then the whole like empire. It was very, very intriguing, very, very thrilling. Anyways, let's talk about the PCAs and the BAFTA Awards. So the award show was held on February 19th. And it was hosted by Similu. And and uh, here are the winners. So in the category for for best movie, uh, Barbie won. Then the action movie, people's favorite action movie, um, the Hunger Games, Ballads of Birds and Songbirds and uh, Ballads of Songbirds and Snake One. Then in the category for comedy, the comedy movie, Barbie won again. Then the drama movie, um, Oppenheimer won. The male movie star went to Ryan Gosling the female movie star went to Margot Robbie the action movie star went to Rachel Zegler for The Hunger Games 
the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. The comedy movie star went to Jennifer Lawrence for No Hard Feelings. Then the award for the drama movie star went to Jenna Ortega for Scream 6. The movie performance, the award, went to America Ferrera for Barbie. And the show went to Grey's Anatomy. The comedy show went to All the in the Building. The award for the drama show went to The Last of Us. The sci-fi fantasy show award went to Loki and Loki's speech was so emotional because he said I've been playing this character for 14 years and he he just basically thanks thanked us as the viewers for the love on season two of Loki yes I did share some tears I did shed some tears when uh, I heard his speech then the reality show went to the Kardashians Competition show award went to The Voice. The Bench-worthy show award went to The Summer I Turned Pretty. The male TV star went to Pedro Pascal for The Last of Us. The female TV star went to Selena Gomez for All the Mercy Billing. The comedy TV star went to Jeremy Allen White for The Bear. The drama TV star award went to Jennifer Aniston for The Morning Show. The TV performance went to Billie Eilish in Swarm. The reality TV star went to... Chloe Kardashian again um the competition cons- the competition contestant contestant award went to Ariana Maddox for dancing with the star the daytime talk show award went to the Kelly Clarkson show the night Time Talk Show Award went to The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon. The host went to Jimmy Fallon. The PCA People's Choice Award for the male artist went to John Cook from BTS. Then the female artist went to Taylor Swift. The male country artist PCA award went to jo- Jelly Roll. The female PCA award for female country artist went to Lainey Wilson. The PCA award for the male Latin artist went to Bad Bunny. The Female Latin Artist Award went to Shakira. The the Pop Artist Award went to Taylor Swift. The Hip Hop Artist went to 
Nicki Minaj. The R&B artist went to Beyonce. The new artist went to Ice Spice. The group slash duo went to Stray Kids. The song went to Vampire by Olivia Rodrigo. The album went to Guts by Olivia Rodrigo. The collaboration song award went to Barbie World with Nicki Minaj and Ice Spice. The concert tour went to Taylor Swift for the Eras Tour. The Social Celebrity Award went to Taylor Swift. The Comedy Act Award went to Chris Rock's Selective Outrage. The Athlete Award went to Travis Kelsey. And that's it for the PCA recap. Okay, let's talk about the BAFTA Awards, which are the British British Actor Film TV Television Awards. And so Oppenheimer won seven BAFTAs, including Best Film and Director. Poor Things won five BAFTAs. The Zone of Interest won three BAFTAs. Emma Stone won Leading Actress for Poor Things. Kid Murphy won Leading Actor for Oppenheimer. Divine Joy Randolph won Supporting Actress for The Holdovers. Robert Downey Jr. won Supporting Actor for Oppenheimer. Earth Mama won Outstanding Debut. Samantha, <coughs> Samantha Martin received the BAFTA Fellowship June Giovanni received the Outstanding British Contribution to Cinema Award. Mia McKenna Bruce won the EEE Rising Rising Star Award. And the awards were held on Sunday. Uh, February 18th in London. The Zone of Interest won film not in the English language. And then documentary went to 20 days in Maripool, Maripol. Animated film won The Boy and the Haroon for Studio Ghibli by Studio Ghibli. Director, best director won um, Oppenheimer, uh, Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. Original screenplay won Anatomy of a Fall. Adapted screenplay 
one American fiction. Original score about Oppenheimer. Supporting actor Robert Downey Jr., like I said, for Oppenheimer. Casting won The Holdovers. Cinematography won Oppenheimer. Adding Oppenheimer. Production design, Poor Things. Costume design, Poor Things. Makeup and hair, Poor Things. Sound, The Zone of Interest. Special, <coughs> special visual effects, Poor Things. Then British short animation, Crab Day. British short film, Jellyfish and Lobster. So yeah, that was the BAFTA. It's, that were the BAFTA awards. As we all know, like Oppenheimer dominated, Poor Things dominated, and Barbie dominated at the People's Choice Awards. So, let's do a new section. A new Avatar The Last Airbender fighting game is in the works at Maximum Entertainment, and early access release will be in 2025. And speaking of Avatar, you can watch the live action show, live action version, on Netflix, the whole season. I haven't done it yet because I, I don't know, I get so excited and so like goosebumpy that I, I have to like finish the video version of the of my interview with Scott DuPont um, so I will be enjoying that experience later tonight Sir Todd Phillips said that the first teaser for Joker 2 followed followed what was it? Faludu? Faludu? Um, will be out mid-April, according to screen rent, screen time on X. So, Lu- Lupita Nyong'o and Chloe Grace Moretz are set to play UFC fighters in Strawweight and the movie follows two women who find themselves comp- competing against each other. One is a young new fighter while the other is a former champion who is determined determined to reclaim her title. Ooh, sounds cool. Sounds very interesting. According to film updates on X. Then Zendaya, Jennifer Lopez, Chris Hemsworth and Bad Bunny will serve as co-chair chairs for this year's Met Gala. Which will be on the 1st 
Monday of May, of the month of May. So Robert Downey Jr. plays multiple roles in Park Chan-wook's The Sympathizer, and this one will be released on April 14th on Max. EA Sports College Football 25 is getting a full reveal in May and the game is expected to release this summer. Then for the final season on August 8th, the following actors and actresses will be back. So Elliot Page, formerly as Ellen Page. Then Tom Hopper, David Castaneda, Ritu Arya, Amy Raver Lampman, Robert Sheehan, Justin H. Min, Aiden Gallagher, and Com Foyere. I'm very excited for the last season of the Umbrella Academy. For here are the confirmed voice cast for X Men '97, the series, which will be released at TV shop will be released on March 20th. And there was the following. Cal, da- Cal Dodd, he will be Wolverine slash Logan. Alison Saley Smith, she will be Storm slash Aurora. Mon- Monroe. Then George Buza, he will play Beast slash Henry Hank McCoy. Adrian Hugh will play Nightcrawler slash Kurt Wagner. Chris Britton will voice Mr. Sinister slash Nathaniel SX. Then Leonor Zatzan will voice Rogue. Then Ray Chase will voice Kyle Kudopsis. Then Jennifer Hale will voice Jane Grey. E. A. J. Locascio will voice Gambit. Holly Chu will voice Jubilee. Jubilee. J.P. Karliak will voice Morth, Isaac Robinson Smith will voice will voice will voice Bishop Matthew Watterson will voice Margaret Magneto I'm very excited for Magneto then Mr X will voice a uh, Mr X will be voiced by Ross Marquand 
obviously Professor Charles Xavier, then Gio Agustani with voice Sunspot, Jill Birmingham with voice Forge, Eric Busa again with Bausa with voice Sentinels, and Theo, Theo James will voice Secret Role. Oh wait, he it's okay. He will he will voice a a character which we don't know yet. Then Lawrence Bine will voice Cable. That's it. That's according to entertainmentweekly.com. Christopher Nolan said to that line. Um, that he would love to make a horror film. And he said, and I could, I am looking for a really exceptional idea. A first person Mandalorian bounty hunter game is reportedly in the works at Respawn. According to Insider Gaming on IG Instagram. Then Perman Plus is looking at combining with another streaming service. So far they have talked to Peacock, Apple TV Plus and Mix. Then Nicolas Cage is reportedly in talks to star in the Spider-Man Noir live action series. Going to screen time on X. Then Paramount Plus and Peacock are reportedly in talks to merge into one into one single streaming service. So, here are the list of the comic book movies, which will be released in 2025. On February 14th, Captain America Brave New World. On March 2nd, 2025, Marvel's Thunderbolts. On July 11th, Superman Legacy by DC. On July 24th, 2025, Fantastic Four. October 2nd, Batman 2, The Batman 2. Mo- uh, movie. Hmm? November 7th will be released uh, Marvel's, finally, hopefully, Marvel's Blade with Marshall Ali. Oh, I meant October 2nd, not October 7th. Oopsie. According to Popgrave on X.
Sydney Sweeney is set to host SNL on March 2nd. Disney and Sony reportedly have signed a major deal for Sony Pictures Home Entertainment to take over all of Disney's physical media production going forward, according to Discussing Film on X. So the annual Variety, uh, not Variety, Vanity Fair Hollywood issue of 2024 will include Greta Lee, Jolie Comer, Pedro Pascal, Jenna Ortega, Lily Gladstone, Barry Kugin, Charles Melton, Bradley Cooper, Natalie Portman, Coleman Domingo, Dav Devine Joy Randolph. Then Bon Bong Jong Hoos Mickey Seventeen will be released in theaters January thirty first, twenty twenty five, and it stars Robert Pattinson, Naomi Aki, Tony Collette, Mark Ruffalo, and Stephen Yeun. So, we got a new concept, like concept art, for a pitched Batman Beyond animated film. And it looks so cool. Like, I will post it onto my Instagram after the release of this podcast episode. Then Pedro Pascal says he gets confused by, and I quote, by the way... Method acting is termed. It's always important to read a room, but sometimes disrupting the room can help achieve something that serves the work. Anything under the conditions of decency works for me. End of quote. Set it to priority. Vanity Fair. Then Takashi Yamazaki said he won't reveal the official budget for Godzilla minus one. And he also and then he said and I quote Everyone's gonna wait me well everyone's gonna Want me to make a movie for that number. End of quote. According to Deadline. Then, Disney has reportedly... Oh, okay, I read that already. The one with Sony. Anyways. So, Lady Gaga is being added to Fortnite this This week. 
Joseph Quinn, Joseph Quinn, is is in talks to join Alex Garland's untitled war movie at a twenty four, and Charles Melton is also on board to star in that movie. So the Kang Dynasty is no longer the title for Avenger Five. Marvel was reportedly moving away from Kang before Jonathan Majors was fired after Quantumania failed, according to according to the Hollywood Reporter. So the crow, a reimagination of the nineteen ninety four cult classic, will be released in theaters on June seventh, twenty twenty four, starring Bill Skarsgård and F K R Twigs. So John Wick spin-off Ballerina has been delayed to June 6, 2025. It was originally set for a June 7, 2024 release, but the movie it stars Ana de Armas, Norman Re- 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 Roman Reedus, Catalina... Sandino, Moreno, Angelica Houston, Ian McShane, Gabriel Bryan, Keanu Reeves, and Lance Reddick. The Lance Reddick. The late Lance Reddick. I was very happy that I got. I will be watching it this year, but that's not going to happen. You can now watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem on Prime Video. So, Oscar nominee America Ferrera will star in Paul Greengrass's upcoming drama The Lost Bus alongside Oscar winner Matthew McConaughey and the script was penned by Mayor of East Town writer Brad Inglesby. According to 
fin updates. We got a new trailer for Ch Challengers, and I'm like I was so excited for that movie. Now I'm even more excited after seeing that trailer. So Julia Fox is set to star the female lead, female lead. Um, psychological horror goat alongside Marlon Waynes and Tarak Tarik with it withers according to a deadline. So, Josh Brolin, Brolin is in talks to star in Zack Krager's Weapons movie, according to HollywoodReporter.com. And Quinta Branson will be on Hot Ones. Or she is on Hot Ones um, today. So you can watch it on YouTube. And then the Acolyte, um, Star Wars Acolyte, is slated to premiere on June 5th this year. So Javier Bardem reportedly has been offered to play Galacticus in the Fantastic Four movie. So you can watch Drive Away Dolls in this uh in theaters this Friday and it stars Margaret Qualley, Gerald, Gerald, <laughs> Geraldine, Viz Banathan, Beanie Feldstein, Colman Domingo, Pedro Pascal, Bill Kemp, and Math, and Matt Damon. It's a movie by A24. So Megan Stalter and Paul W. 
towns have been promoted to to series regulars for Hacks season three. So Sea of Thieves is launching on PlayStation on April 30th. It's a pirate adventure game. So Joker 2 has a budget of 200 million and the first movie had a 60 million budget according to Variety. And jo- Joaquin Phoenix and Lady Gaga will earn for the second installment twenty million and twelve million respectively. Guess twenty million will be for Joaquin Phoenix because he's more experienced in the acting world, and twelve million for Lady Gaga because she has only starred in A Star Is Born, House of Gucci. That's it. So Dune 2 debuted on Rotten Tomatoes at 96% with 82 reviews. And all of them were positive. So I'm very excited for Dune next week. So Simon Baker joined Taika Waititi's adaptation of Clara and the Sun Starring Jenna Ortega, Amy Adams, Aaron Murphy, and Natasha Leon, according to Deadline. So we got a new poster and like a first poster and the new uh tra- and the first trailer for Borderlands um, video game adaptation which will be released on August 9th this year and And it will star Will star Kate Blanchett, 
Kevin Hart, Jack Black, Ariana Greenblatt, Florian Monte Monteanu, and Jamie Lee Curtis. I looked so much fun. It looked very crazy, but a lot of fun. I've never really played the games, but I enjoyed the trailer. And that's it for this segment. I want to add something to Star Wars The Bad Batch. Is the fact that it felt so good being back in the universe. Even though it's like for the first, like for the last time. But like it felt so good like being back in the universe with the bad, with the batches. And um, I will miss it. Honestly, like I will miss it. Like it, it. Had me in a chokehold after. What was it? Mm, yeah, after like Clone Wars because it gives me the same. The same, like. Feeling when I watched Clone Wars for the seven hundredth time, on this German, children's channel, um after school, so. I just enjoy the the Star Wars is bad bitch, but also like think the I like I like being back and then. You know, going on this adventure with Omega, Omega, and then, uh, like the badges, and also like seeing like the Emperor back, and I'm like, I'm curious to know because, in last episode, like last episode, last season, my favorite uh, episode was the, was episode five, and I'm curious to know how they will top episode five for me because it was just so funny and so, um entertaining there i say but i i will honestly miss it and i'm also curious if we'll get like the mandalorian this year i don't think so but you never know with star wars so always like february is always like star wars batch bad the bad batch month for me but also super bowl and march is like the mandalorian month for me so i'm very excited for the upcoming Star Wars. It's like Ecolite on on June 5th. And I'm very excited for all this Star Wars content we'll be getting this year. So, I will put the interview, like uh, after this segment, you will be able to, he- uh, listen, to listen to the interview with film producer and industry veteran Scott DuPont and yeah enjoy the interview and I'll talk to you after the interview we've got another guest and my guest will introduce himself right now hi Scott DuPont 
calling from Hollywood, California. Good morning. So that sounded like it's news, news like news uh, section. <laughs> so we wanted to talk about a movie which we both didn't like, <laughs> and the movie is called The Beekeeper. Well, it, it's always good to have differing opinions. Nothing wrong with that. Movies are very subjective. I actually did like it. Um, wasn't perfect. I don't think there is anything as a perfect movie, but I went in being a big Jason Statham fan and uh, it was quite a thrill ride. So I, I really enjoyed it. See, I'm a Jason Statham fan as well. And I, I enjoyed that aspect, but I, but like from the story wise and the, it had like logical holes, plot holes to me. So I didn't enjoy it as much as I wanted to, but the action was really good. And like, it, it was like on the Jason Statham um, level of action. And that that's what I think a lot of Jason Statham fans go into a movie theater for that experience is to see that action, that adrenaline, that rush. And some of his movies uh, have fantastic storylines. I think The Homefront was one of the best stories. Um, but, you know, I enjoyed overall the story of The Beekeeper as well. So on a scale of uh, zero to ten, I would give it a nine. 8.5 or a 9. Wow. <laughs> I would give it a, I don't know, like, I don't want to be, like, too mean, but um, let's say 4, 4 out of 10. Because, like, my biggest thing with the with that movie was, like, yes, the action was perfect, but, like, the story, like, it had some, like, some holes in the plot, like, we they were like the this bee like this um what's it called the beehive and like and then it really to me like it wasn't explained um much like furthermore like well the beehive could have been confusing to some people i mean i i ended up getting it when they showed those graphics and they did the narration i think what I liked about the story was the corruption in the U.S. presidency uh, that happens with some administrations, as well as the massive influence by large corporations, special interests, and lobbyists uh, that not only sometimes get to a president and I'm not I'm not pointing out a specific president in UN US history I'm just saying in general this has happened mm. um and that influence let's say can infiltrate to a lot of the different arms of government including the FBI the CEA CIA the justice department um and certainly there's some there's certainly some questions about what's going on right now with the U.S. government. Um, the truth will be sorted out eventually, hopefully, because we always want to get to the truth. And I thought that was very interesting, that no government is perfect. Um, all governments around the world can be influenced. 
And uh, Jason Statham has always been in most of his movies, the little guy, the people of the man of the people who's standing up for justice. And he certainly stood up for the short-lived heroine um, who got killed in the uh, the beekeeper. Mm-hmm. When you said like the president, you know, the corruption, I immediately thought about Hillary uh, Clinton versus Trump. Yeah, I mean, I mean, people say Trump is very corrupt. He's on trial right now for 700 years in jail. Uh, people say Hillary Clinton was corrupt for deleting 300 emails that she was specifically subpoenaed for. People say that Joe Biden is corrupt for possibly taking tens of millions of dollars from China, Russia, and Romania. Um, People say that George Bush was corrupt. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Um, And it's not just in the US government. And we've seen it in other governments around the world. And I think because of all of this, and because of the power of the internet, I mean, I'm on this podcast thanks to the internet from Los Angeles all the way to Vienna. Mm-hmm. Um, more and more people are tuning out of mainstream media sources, including the BBC, which used to be one of the trusted in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're they're doing their own research and they're seeing what they see with their own eyes. Um, A great example is we're told over and over again that uh, inflation is not that bad. It's transitory. No problem. We we can afford to keep spending money like a drunken sailor. But I think when most Americans, and I'm just speaking for our country over here, they can see gas, which used to be two or three dollars a gallon, is four to six dollars a gallon. Um, $7 in some states. They can see that the price of eggs has doubled. So people people see the real experience, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like my the majority of my listeners are from the US. And also my best friend is also from the US. And when she like tells me how much she spent on a gallon or like on groceries, I'm like, oh my God. Like I'm... St- like we we have we had we haven't had some inflation out here as well, but not to that ex as to that extent of the U.S. or like Turkey, for example. So a great expression I learned about politics years ago, and I think this translates to movies, mm-hmm. is when people go to the voting polls, they don't give a damn about the politician. They don't give a damn about what they heard in the speech. They're they're only thinking about themselves in a very selfish way, and they're thinking about their families. And I think that's a great analogy. When people go to the voting polls, they can overlook somebody that might be tweeting mean things, or they can overlook a presidential candidate that, that forgets things all the time and falls down once in a while if they think that candidate is going to give them the best life experience and the best, uh, you know, inflation reduction or keep them safe from world wars. Um, And I think going back to Jason Statham, people love those heroes. They love real vigilante heroes that they think 
are looking out for the little guy, that are looking out for the people. Yes, uh, you're so right. Like, I I, I don't have anything to say to that. Because, like, I, th I think you see it in, in, like, you see it, like, around the world when it comes to, like, uh, elections. And, yeah, it just, it's, I guess it's just, like, this human thing that we don't, like, we don't care who it is, but we just care, like, um, how this person can like better our country or you know yeah what's what's best for them what's best for them and their family and so speaking of jason statham what is your favorite jason statham movie oh god i've got so many i mean i loved him in some of the expendables movies but i would think homefront mm -hmm. is is one of my favorite ones uh james franco Big fan of his. I'm a friend of his. Um, um, it was just a great movie. Kind of like uh, set in the deep south. I can relate to that. I grew up in the south for a few years. Um, another great vigilante story. A guy that was basically sticking up for these evil uh, meth meth dealers or whatever whatever kind of drugs they were cooking up down by the bayou. My favorite um Jason Momoa no just movie is um Cash Truck, but I think that 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 has a transporter. No, not transporter. It's um oh, what's the English name? Because mm, it they changed the name in Germany and Austria to Cash Truck, but it's called a Wrath of a Man. Oh, Wrath, Wrath of a Man. Uh, Rational man with post balloon in it. He dies while he was in it. Great, great movie as well. Oh, yes, I love that one. And also, Pretty recent like, one. Um, I loved Hobbs and Shaw. Um, what else? What else? There was one Jason Statham movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, Homefront. Uh, Redemption was another good one. Uh, Parker was a great one with, um, God, what's her name? Uh, Jennifer Lopez that was set in, uh, Palm beach, beautiful, uh, cinematography showing how beautiful Palm beach is. The mechanic was a great one. Is it this one I'm looking for? And then of course, uh, you know, the transporter series is what really kicked him off. Transporter one, two, and three. Oh yes, that one I like that one as well. But um, there was this with um, what's her name, Mel Melissa McCarthy. It's a spy one. Yeah, yeah, I forget the name of that. Yeah, I'm looking on IMDb. A little bit of a comedy. Something with spy. I remember. That's the name. Wait, let's. I just like scrolled down to two thousand one. I'm like, mm, that wasn't that around that time. Um, <laughs> anyway, great actor. Uh, I like the beekeeper, and he's got a bright career in front of him. He's still young. Is it this one? What it's called? Oh, no, it's called Spy. Spy, okay, Spy. Yes, but I also enjoy him as like in the Fast and Furious franchise. Um, 
Yep, me too. Great franchise. Fun, fun, fun uh, uh, franchise there. Oh, also, I also enjoyed him in Operation Fortune. It was also funny with Hugh Grant. And, um, yeah, I didn't enjoy Expendables 4. I, I don't know. I, my expectations were higher. And the, I first, the first one and two were great. It's very, but... very tricky in a franchise to keep the story going. And uh, the studios and or the producers oftentimes will try to reduce the budget a little bit because they've got an audience hooked. And if you... If you shortchange the story, it doesn't matter how many special effects, how many stunts, how many fights, it's never as good as the original one if they start with a great story. Yeah. Story is always key. Yes. But like, I don't know, like the story of it wasn't really great. Cause like, mm, wait, but what's the name? I'm looking for in my head. Like, for example, like this, like Megan Fox's story in this one, like in the fourth one was like, I don't know. She wasn't really like, um, like told better, you know, like told the way I wanted to probably be. I, I don't think the third and fourth were as good as the first one or the second one. I would agree. Yeah, well, I agree. Pe people still showed up. They love seeing these 80s and 90s action stars. Mm -hmm. And um, just like Fast and the Furious, it's a very, very fun franchise. And people go out into theaters and see them. Yeah, I love, I really enjoyed the 10th one. 10th? Yeah, 10th one. And I cannot wait for the part two one because like that cliffhanger was too like oh i was like what's going on i was i was so like invested that i've after it ended i was like i want more like but i we you know we have to wait but i'm i don't know i, I i'm also very excited for hops and short too um i just love like Dwayne's and the rocks and uh, jason statham's um chemistry together they're like yeah, both both great action stars. They're like bickering back and forth. I enjoy that. Any other movies you want to talk about? Um, I had this question in my mind. Now I forgot about it. I forgot the question. So what? are your favorite action movies? Well, one of my favorite movies of all time is Braveheart by Mel Gibson. I believe it won uh, 11 or 13 Academy Awards, literally won, not just nominated. Um, it had action, it had battle scenes, it had revenge, it had romance. It had a few moments of comedy. It literally, it had history uh, based upon a true story, inspired by true events. It had a little bit of everything. Um, so I would definitely say that's one of my favorite movies of all time. I have seen that movie, but I was young. I don't really remember anything. Yeah, it's an older movie. Um, it still holds up today. 
I would strongly recommend to anyone in the audience if they want to see one of the best films of all time. Like I said, it won, not just nominated, it won 11 or 13 Academy Awards. Swept the Academy Awards. I'm so excited how like how well uh, Oppenheimer will, will do. Yeah, yeah, great movie. Um, I think there were a couple other movies that are going to give it uh, a run for the money. Um, I think American Fiction was one mm -hmm. of the just brilliant stories told this year. Um, you know, as a voting member of the PGA, as well as uh, SAG-AFTRA, um, you know, I have to vote on all these movies. I thought um, The Holdovers was great. Mm -hmm. um, and I also thought um, The Burial was a fantastic movie. Didn't get a lot of press, but Jamie Foxx, Tommy Lee Jones, one of my favorite movies of the whole season. I actually went back and watched it a second time. I um, still. And then uh, Barbie, I didn't see it at first because I'm not a big kind of animated or Playland type movies. Guys, that's not my cup of tea. I had also heard incorrectly that it was overly woke and all these political messages in there. And when I finally saw it, I didn't find that at all. It was just really a fun, uh, really fun, like dancing around the couch, um, enjoyable movie. Thought it was a fun romp. I love Barbie. I, but America Ferrera was very good in that one. Also, her like speech was very touching. I cried. I was crying. Well, I was like then I was crying, but also the end when Margot Robbie and this um, Barbie, like when she, when what was I made for is uh being played, and then like you see the mothers and the children and I hugged my mom afterwards like I love you thank you for everything I was yeah was really yeah fun. I thought it was great I really really I, enjoyed the movie and I've been encouraging other people uh outside of the PGA or SAG that that are not really having to watch all the movies to vote on them like they asked me what what are some of the movies so make sure you check out Barbie it's a great movie and also like it and like what is your opinion on it not getting nominated for the Oscars, but um, Ryan Gosling? For, for, for Greta and um, uh, Margot Robbie? Mm -hmm. I think not nominating Greta is was a, <laughs> a tragedy because yeah. it was such an incredible undertaking mm -hmm. uh, and i looked at this I, i'm a producer myself so yeah. i put together movies i make movies and uh margo was the producer greta was the director the filmmakers being overlooked i thought was pretty tragic um you know there are a lot of great acting performances mm -hmm. uh i think margo probably should have gotten nominated but you know that's that's just the way it falls. She's still young. She's gonna have plenty of opportunities. Um, I did think that um, my friend Ryan Gosling he did a great job, but uh, Greta was probably the biggest disappointment. I think she should have gotten nominated for director. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she didn't, and I was but, so. You know, that that's that <laughs> happens. Because like she. 
she did such an amazing job and then they didn't nominate her. At least the Anatomy of a Fall director got nominated. Yeah, yeah it's it once again it's it's not a perfect science. Mm -hmm. Um every once in a while the academy uh it the demographics are shifting. It used to be just a bunch of older people. They're getting some new young blood in the academy now. And what what does happen is if somebody is consistently overlooked um in their 30s or 40s, they will usually have the opportunity to get nominated and win an award later on in life. Um, so, so part of it is not only the movie or the acting performance. A uh, great example of this is Denzel Washington, who was just tragically overworked, overlooked, not only in my opinion, but a lot of people in Hollywood who I saw the movie The Hurricane, one of the best dramas of all time. I would rate it my second or third favorite movie. Mm -hmm. And he he got he got snubbed. I mean, literally, even some of the cameras at the Academy Awards, <laughs> they they looked at his face and they go, wow, that was a shock. It's almost like a Super Bowl uh, playback. Um, but he got rewarded the next year for uh, training day. So the Academy will ultimately reward actors, producers, directors, um, if they're overlooked one particular year. So speaking of actors, the directors, who do you think will win the category for best directing? Um, you know, it's tough to say. I think it might be uh, tied to best picture. Um, two, two pictures I forgot to overlook were, uh, I really think it probably, Greta really should have been in the running, but two of the pictures I forgot to mention, um, one is, um, God, it's the World War II drama, and I should have had my uh, my list in front of me. Uh, do you know the movie I'm talking about? Oh. It's the, the, the house set right next door to Auschwitz. Uh, I know, the, the zone of interest. The zone of interest. Now, I... the reason I think it got overlooked mm -hmm. is it, it's probably going to win best pic international picture. Yep. Um, and that's the way that goes sometimes. Um, but anyway, I, I just don't have a clear vision of who's going to win best director. But there's a lot of there's a lot of great candidates this year. But like, would you say like Scorsese or? Uh... Who's the other one? <laughs> As Steven Spielberg or up or like Christopher Nolan. Who who are you uh, rooting for? I I don't really have I'm real usually very, very decisive on, on the directors. I'm not. I mean, I I really would have thought Greta could have won. And since <laughs> she's not even nominated, um Scorsese's won before. I did like uh Flowers of the Killer Moon. However, <laughs> yeah, however, um, and it was a great movie. I just think it was a little bit long. And I think audiences are getting a little tired of three, three and a half hour movies. Unless, I, I unless that, it's Batman, the Batman, then it's like justified. 
Well, I, I don't know. I, I think audiences are really, um, we have the attention span with all these iPads and smartphones and computer screens and DM. We're getting overwhelmed with technology and notifications and people are tending to want tighter, faster running movies. Full stop. I'm hearing that from all my producer friends in the industry. I understand, but like sometimes it's like a good thing that those movies like those movies exist because um like as a as a like a Christopher Nolan one to for example, you you can't chop that up, like chop it in to in like uh I don't know, like a one hour or two hour movie. No, I'm not I'm not saying a one hour, but I think two hours or less is a safer way to attract audiences um, and a better chance of winning uh, awards. So Oppenheimer is a great example. I really like the story. It was a fascinating look into history, but I myself, and I saw it in the Directors Guild Theater, which is a massive theater. Oh. Everybody on the way down to the parking lot when we left said, great movie, but a little bit long everybody and you can't you can't overlook what audiences if they keep telling you and telling you and telling you over again and hollywood doesn't necessarily pay attention to this and that's why i think indie filmmakers if they're really smart they pay attention to what audiences want they listen to their friends and family they they trust their gut when they see theaters and you know, Napoleon's a great example. Kevin Walsh is a great friend of mine. He mm -hmm. produced that movie. It was a fascinating historical look. I think he and and uh, his team did a great job of weaving the romance and the letter writing back and forth between uh, Josephine, that I guess the character's name, mm -hmm. but it was a little too long. And I think that that hurt Napoleon a little bit. But so I had the feeling when I watched Napoleon um, that the, all like the French Revolution thingy, it wasn't even in this one. And I'm so excited for the four hour version because then we can like really dive into that aspect. And there, there's a time and place for that, right? I think a four hour version is great for the History Channel. An A and A and E mini series. So there are stories um, like the recent <clears throat> um, Godfather mini series. Oh yeah, the author. The author? No, the 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 author. Yeah, the author. So I really got into that, but I was expecting I don't know how long is eight or ten hours over many many episodes, and that's great. Those types of stories, if you're trying to do a historical thing, that's the format, not not for movies. People want to go out on a Saturday night to be entertained. And if it's a little bit too long, if they if you lose their attention span even for 10 minutes, it can it can hurt a movie. I just checked and the offer was like 10 episodes. Long. It was great. I, I loved I loved all of them. But yeah, I was going in 
as a huge fan of Albert Ruddy and mm. as a filmmaker myself, fascinated with 70s Hollywood mm. history, because that's the first time I came out to Hollywood was either 76 or 77. So I was willing to invest 10 hours or however long 10 episodes ended up being over a week or two of time to watch that. And I loved it. Yeah, I, I watched it and then I watched like the Godfather again. And I was like, hmm, it's just so good. Like, I I think that's that was the best thing that I watched in the year two, 2022, uh, like series wise, besides others, but like that one was mm-hmm. on my watches. Um, you were talking about the movies you were um you or you have you have produced. Yeah, so I, I just wanted to just kind of follow up with the time length of movies. Um, there was a the, my most the most recent movie that I helped produce uh, just came about three or four weeks ago. It got released wide on twenty different pr- platforms. Um, it's called Burt Reynolds, the last interview with Quentin Tarantino. And there's a lot of Burt Reynolds fans still out there. I mean, he was the biggest movie star of all time. He was number one at the box office for 10 years, five years of those in a row, which no other actor has ever done in history. So we could have made it uh, a two, two and a half hour movie, but we chose not to because we're listening to the audience and the audiences are not wanting to see longer films. And uh, I believe the total running time came in in less than 100 minutes. And the critics answered 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Movie critics absolutely love the movie. So anyway, that's just a quick note how we're listening as filmmakers to what audiences want. Oh, he was an American dad, or he is an American dad. He did well over 80 films and what was remarkable about Burt Reynolds when I went to his um, studio mm-hmm. is seeing poster after poster after poster and a lot of actors can say that over years but he was one of the few people where every single movie poster he was the big picture it wasn't just you know he was one of the four or five or six starring movie stars he was the star or he was one of two co-stars. I mean, that that's how big Burt Reynolds was. That's so cool. Like, I when you said Burt Reynolds, I was like, let me check him out. And then I, because I, sometimes I, you, like my guests are say, say, telling me about actors. And I'm like, I don't know who that is. And then I like go onto my IMDb page and then I look uh, up. And then I saw that he was an American dad, or he is an American dad. Um, so I want to like I know you have to go, but you are like in the industry and you are like in the guilds and you use the bellouts during award season. What what's like like how did you get into that? And can you like tell me how? that works sure so i started out about 30 years ago as an actor 
And if any of your audience members are movie buffs, you like watching movies and you thought about being an actor, just like I did 30, 30 plus years ago, mm -hmm. I quickly became a frustrated actor because the audition process to get even considered, and then if you're lucky enough to audition, get a call back, get a final meeting with, with a, uh, a studio film or a big budgeted film that's going to be meaningful, it, it's almost like winning the lottery. Mm -hmm. So sitting on the sidelines of all these big movies, I started in my uh, career in Central Florida at the time in the 1990s when Universal Studios Florida had just been built, Disney MGM Studios Florida, Pyramax Studios. There was a lot of stuff going on in Central Florida. And um, I realized very quickly I could sit outside the audition rooms. Even if I was lucky enough to get in, I would probably not be able to have an acting career, at least not within five or 10 years that I wanted to. Or I could take my own destiny in my own hands, take control, if you will, by starting to produce my own projects. So that's what I started doing. And I've been producing do a little bit of acting still, but I've been producing ever since for oh, well over 25 years. And the past few years, I've been helping other people find their money because that's the key. If you have money, you can hire the right team. You can hire a director. You can put together a great movie if you have money. It all starts with money. So that's what I've been doing the last three or four years is helping other people that have big, big dreams. They might have just an idea. They might have read a book. It's a best-selling book and they want to turn it into a movie. So it's been really satisfying to help other people bring their dream projects to the screen and become a reality. Oh, I love that. But um, like the thing with the actor, like, you know, being a frustrating actor, actor Jeanette Walmsley also said that to me when we talked that it's so frustrating for her, like continuing to like going from audition to audition and then being rejected and then going from audition to audition again and then being rejected again. So especially I felt that way, especially like we talked during the WGA uh, strike and it just I have so much empathy for the writers and the actors during that time. It's brutal. It's brutal. And uh, that's why I started raising my own money and producing my own films, because every film that I do, if I want to, I can put myself in that film. And my clients who are, they're all raising their money to do their own films. Some of them are putting themselves as the star of the film. They're great actors. Others of them are making themselves the director because they've directed many, many short films. They've directed music videos and they're not going to get a chance to direct a big feature film unless they go make the money. So it's a way to life is very, very short. I don't want to sound cynical. I know you're younger than me, yeah. but life really is short and you don't want to waste years and years auditioning or hoping that somebody's going to cast you or hoping that someone's going to find your script. It's like, oh, we'll make this over the thousand other amazing scripts we see in Hollywood every single week. So if you take a little bit of control and you have a plan, 
this is a golden age of filmmaking where you can now, with these small digital cameras, some people are making, literally making movies for theaters on their iPhones with the right lenses, mm -hmm. with the LED lights that we could have only dreamed of 20 years ago, and the software that's pennies on the dollar, you can make a film, a feature length film, either a documentary or narrative for 20 or 30 cents on the dollar, what I used to have to raise money for 20 years ago. It is a filmmaker's renaissance. And then on the back end, you get to make your movie for much, much cheaper than I used to have to pay for my first movies. Not only that, your movie doesn't have to go to theaters. It doesn't even have to go to a cable outlet. There's unlimited number of streaming platforms. Yeah. So there's an opportunity to make a movie for much less budget. And there's an, there's an opportunity for millions of people around the world to see your movie. It's a filmmaker's renaissance right now. I love that. That's so inspiring. <laughs> I want to shoot my own movie now. <laughs> Um, well, if you if you want to, you can just go to uh, or any of your audience listening, you can go to financeyourmovie.com. And uh, I have a free podcast all over the world. It drops every single week. Um, it gives you some tips and ideas and hopefully some inspiration of any of your audience. Maybe they're writers. Maybe they're actors. Maybe they're aspiring directors. There's no reason with a uh, a solid plan and some determination that you can't make your own movie. No reason in, in, in this time in history. That's so correct. Um, shoo. Okay. Um, we all, by the way, yep. on that note, we also did a documentary that I was one of the producers on a couple of years ago that's very, very inspirational. And it has been empowering to dozens and dozens of filmmakers to go make their own film. And the reason we know this is myself, my co-producer, my director, we're getting messages on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on email every single month. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for making this documentary. We got inspired. We just went out and made our own movie. And that documentary, if anyone wants to check it out, is called Movie Money dot com just like it sounds moviemoney.com excuse me movie money confidential and if you want to watch it you can go to moviemoney.com it's a documentary about how everyday people that have a great idea they can go out and make their own movie that's so cool that that's so inspiring and it is it is inspiring i i can't take the credit i was not the director mm -hmm. on that documentary um but yeah, it's a very, very inspiring movie. And uh, dozens and dozens of people have seen that movie. And six months, a year later, they made their own movie. Wow. Sometimes it takes, all it is is a little bit of inspiration or an idea or a thought. And um, you're doing a great job on this podcast, just opening up dialogue so people can talk about movies. And if there's some dreamers out there watching this episode, Maybe two or three people listening right now will have their own movie releasing to theaters or streaming next year. That would be exciting. Thank you so much. And also, like, before I let you go, um, 
plug anything that's going on in your world. Um, probably the probably the biggest thing right now is our our latest movie. I I can't talk. We're doing a faith based movie, but I can't talk about it quite yet. But if anyone is over the age of forty and remembers Burt Reynolds, if, or if you're a Burt Reynolds fan, you definitely want to check out Burt Reynolds' The Last Interview. Um, but if you're younger, you might want to take a look at the movie anyway, because the reason that Quentin Tarantino wanted to be part of this movie is this was the movie star of all time in history that inspired Quentin Tarantino to become a director and to become a filmmaker. It like Burt Reynolds inspired Quentin Tarantino's entire career. And little secret that probably nobody listening to your uh, podcast will know, and Quentin talks about this in our documentary, is that Quentin was named after Burt Reynolds. What? No one really knows that. Know that. So that's all explained in the documentary. And uh, short version, um, Quentin's mother was 16 or 17 years old. She was pregnant. Quentin's mm -hmm. father had left. So mm -hmm. she's all alone. And you can imagine how scared and nervous she was, but she was excited. She's about to give birth to a new baby. Mm -hmm. And her favorite TV show in the world, she watched every single day, was Gunsmoke, starring Burt Reynolds. He was a big, big TV star before he became a movie star. And so when it came time to name the baby, she named, she was either going to name Quentin Burt mm -hmm. or she decided to name Quentin Quentin for Burt's character on the TV show. So that's how Quentin was named. Wow. I didn't know that. That's so cool. Yeah. And Quentin became one of the most legendary filmmakers all the time. Oh. And he's still pretty young. He's, only 60 65 but he will like make only one last movie i'm sorry. well he's got one more he's making right now and yeah, uh never say never i i think he might make a few more hopefully but he said like he'll only make make um 10 movies and movies and then it's gone but i'm hopeful <laughs> that he will yeah, make me too. more with that being said thank you so so much for you're taking your time and talking to me and sharing your wisdom and your knowledge about movies and producing movies and then this nugget of Quentin Tarantino's life and um hope you had uh, fun as much I as did I enjoyed it and uh, <laughs> give a give a shout out to you for hosting this podcast I know mm -hmm. it's uh it's a little bit of work to do this and oh. uh all my best to movie buffs and movie enthusiasts around the world. Thanks. I wish you a great uh, day. Yeah, Take day. care. Yeah, you too. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. That was our interview. And isn't he just nice? Like, he's so nice. And and um, we, we, like, had so much fun off camera and also on, like, on record, off record. And, um, yeah, like, if you want to start your movie journey, like, um, become a filmmaker or 
want to share your your like film making skills and or have a story that you want to um tell the world basically you can reach out to Scott and obviously I will put the link to his website which is financeyourmovie.com and also make sure to watch Burt Reynolds documentary where he interviewed uh, Quentin Tarantino legendary actor uh, legendary yeah legendary actor in regards of Burt Reynolds even though I didn't know like who he was but then I like while Scott was uh, like talking I like I quickly like whistled myself onto IMDb and saw that he had worked on um, American Dead. So yeah, like about legendary actor Bud Reynolds, but also a legendary director Quentin Tarantino, and and also like he also like you know told us you me about what it's like to work in the committee like in the award ceremony award season committee for oscars and golden globes and yada 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 and i just always think it's really cool that he is friends with ryan gosling and also i like when i saw his face i was like Obviously, he couldn't see me, but I was like, wait, I know him. And I realized I saw him on TV once. And so I was like, and also I heard his voice. I was like, and like the whole time he was talking to me, I was like, I know you. Like I couldn't say because I was like a bit shy and tired. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that interview. And we gushed uh, about Jason Statham. And... Yeah, really, like, I had so much fun with that interview. So, yeah, check out, like, check out his um, social media. I will always link the link to his social media in the, put the link to his um, social presence and media. That's the same thing <laughs> into the show notes. Um, um, also, the video version of my interview with him will be released on my YouTube channel within a couple hours. I still have to like put the description and blah, blah, blah. You know, put it onto YouTube. So, I think it will be like after this uh, uh, episode comes out because YouTube takes a long time to like upload a video even though I use Chrome so there's that it's always like very um annoying to me but you know it is what it is and I can change change it so yeah in, I'm also like currently watching um, Our Flag Means Death, season one. 
Because I only watch Chasing Geo, then watch Season 1. <laughs> More like, I watched a bit, bit of Season 2. I didn't watch the whole thing. But I'm watching Season 1. And my cheeks are hurting because of laughing. Um, Taika Waititi did it again. And also, I'm currently at episode 5. And there's 10 episodes. And I started like... 3 hours ago. And I cannot stop watching. It's so addicting. It's so funny. It's so entertaining. And like, I love the pirate setting because I love Pirates of the Caribbean. And it just brings me back to that, to those movies. And also, Nick Kroll is also in it. And so is like Taika Waititi. And oh my god, so many other like actors and actresses. I will give you a full review on both seasons, I think, in the next episode. With that being said, thank you so much for listening and for your support. And hello to the new listeners, because I, I checked and both, like, my previous, like, the interview with Heroic and the interview with Tarell and are going crazy I, I i i like shared it i shared the claims of my oscar oscars like nomination and snaps um episode was ranked first on the podcast ranking episode ranking and i'm so grateful for that achievement because I don't know, like, I never thought that I would land first, but I did, and this is only because of you all, so thank you so, so much from the bottom of my heart, and also I will talk about Avatar, The Last Airbender, um, the live action one, in the next episode, then... I'll I'll also release uh, the first movie review on my blog, Movie Review Serene, on WordPress within a couple of days. So I'm very excited about that. It's an, I mean, TV show review. <laughs> and And yeah, I wish you a great, oh yeah, also, make sure to write a kind review and turn, and turn on notifications so you don't miss an episode. Uh, make sure to give this podcast five stars on all podcast applications. And make sure to subscribe to this, not subscribe <laughs> yeah this will subscribe to my youtube channel and also make sure to follow this podcast on instagram but also on apple podcasts and spotify and basically all the podcast applications um 
I wish you a great day, night, where are, and I'll talk to you on Sunday. Sunday's episode will be a solo episode. Bye.